Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 with Adrian Abraham and Lin Lee Fu. Time now for Why It Matters. And we're going to be talking about plastic use, particularly in G20 countries. It's on course to nearly double by the middle of this century, unless a comprehensive and legally binding global treaty to curb consumption is drawn up. That is according to a new study. That's right. The new study by research group Back to Blue warns that without significant policy interventions, the amount of plastics consumed across the G20 nations will hit, get this, 451 million tonnes a year by 2050. That's nearly twice the 2019 level of 261 million. And joining us on the line to share his insights on the matter is Dr. David Broadstock, Senior Research Fellow, Energy Studies Institute at the National. National University of Singapore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, David. David, the study by the Economist Impact Think Tank and the Nippon Foundation paints a pretty grim picture. It is saying existing programs to boost recycling or cut single-use plastic consumption only scratched the surface. What do you make of that? I think it's a fair point. Plastic, as as most of us know by now, has become a big problem. We know that uh, plastic consumption is set to increase by a large, large amount. And we know today that we're finding microplastics everywhere in our daily life. Even mothers feeding their children are finding that their milk may even contain these microplastics. So there's a problem that certainly needs to be managed. Yeah, I want to take it back a little bit, David. November 2022 in Uruguay, the United Nations kicked off negotiations on an agreement to tackle plastic pollution. Now, their aim is drawing up a legally binding treaty by the end of next year. Now, as many as 175 countries have signed up uh, to the talks, but there were differing views. Of course, countries are split on whether these goals and efforts should be global and mandatory. What's your take on this initiative? First of all, the, the existence of the treaty is fantastic. To get 175 countries or more lined up on any policy area is, is no small task, and, and this is something we can all applaud. Like many other uh, environmental policies, you know, we have, uh, for example, the new introduction of the loss and damage fund as a result of needing to deal with climate change in general. And this has been partially a response to difficulties in coordination between countries on previous policies. So whilst we can be optimistic that we're putting in place the foundations for policies that will make a difference, we have to be mindful that until they're actually concrete and laid out and fully signed and implemented, uh, it may be a very, very drawn out process. How promising are these discussions, uh, you know, even though they're drawn out? Do you think um, we will see the end of plastic pollution in the next, I don't know, half a century? I think we'll never see the end of plastic pollution fully, but I, I want to caveat this. The thing with plastic is we have many uses for plastic. Some of these uses we know of in our daily lives and, and we take them for granted, perhaps, such as the plastic bags we use for our, our vegetables and our meats when we go shopping. But then there's other uses for plastics and also the derivatives. Much of it comes from the petrochemical industry, actually, and the polymers which feed into the plastics. They derive from other processes that create chemicals that go into our medicines or plastics that get into medical equipment and, and other places. And so for this reason, we, we cannot see that the plastic industry will simply disappear. It, it, it just cannot in, in the way that we do things at the moment. For this reason, there'll always be potential for a spin-off industry where we'll be having a certain amount 
amount of plastic bags and the likes. And, and the, of course, the level of plastic pollution that we have today is so severe in some places that it may take years, if not decades, for all of that to actually disappear. On the topic of plastic bags, we've seen how supermarkets and stores in Singapore have implemented charges to actually, you know, think twice, be a, a lot more conscious. I know for me, I will pay for these bags, right? 10 cents. I mean, at the end of the day, it does add up. But how effective is this strategy in the long run? It's a very important first step. Uh, perhaps that's the way to think of it. So, so I, I think, as you say, the idea of making people think twice, uh, and that's really one of the most important first steps to, to create that behavioral change for those that never thought about it at all to begin thinking. Unfortunately, you know, today, you know, if I go to the supermarket, if I'm being asked if I need a plastic bag, it's because I didn't bring one with me. And, and it's then I already know. And so whether or not the price is high enough becomes almost almost irrelevant because I will not be able to carry the items without the plastic bag. Mm. But 10 cents is, is enough to make you think without hurting your pocket. Of course, we could increase the price and maybe as time progresses, as it becomes more urgent to remove the plastics, then we'll be able to increase that price. And, and then people will be thinking even more seriously. You know, Before they leave home, they'll pick up a, a reusable bag rather than um, just go out without one. I'm going to go back to that study we were talking about earlier. The study noted that bans, taxes and price increases increases need to distinguish between unnecessary plastics and those that are useful to society, such as for medical applications. Where do we draw the line on this? Um, well, it will be difficult to, to give it a, a very specific answer because there'll be so many places. I mean, you could look around the, the room at the moment. You could see the electric plugs on the wall where the plastics are. You can see the handles on your cooking equipment. You, you, you can see plastic everywhere. And, and so giving a clear definition to what's essential and what's non-essential may become a very contested area. And this perhaps will be where, where some businesses will, will try to negotiate uh, with the policymakers to, to try to create more favorable outcomes for themselves. But I, I think having said that, we, we all pretty much know what the most immediate problems are. And this will be things like the plastic bottles in the supermarkets for the drinks that we buy. Uh, this will be the plastic bags that we use repeatedly when we go to the supermarkets and don't think to take our own bags with us. Solving some of those, though, will, would also not be easy. If you want to go to the supermarket and you want to buy a bottle of orange juice, it's not because you want the bottle, it's because you want the orange mm -hmm. juice. What are you going to do if you don't have a bottle to carry that away? Now, maybe you can substitute that for a, a carton of some other material. Maybe you need to be thinking differently, though, about the underlying business models for some of these items as well. And so if you're a drinks maker selling those drinks, is the plastic bottle essential? Uh, under today's business models, maybe. But surely plastic pollution you know, is creating massive economic burdens in terms of the environmental and social impact of plastic waste. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, I'm completely for um, eliminating the, the plastics. I, I guess what I'm trying to point towards, though, is the idea that we, we need to not just put in place the foundations of the policies, but at the same time, we need to deepen the discussion around the circular economy. Mm. What does it mean to consume without needing to have plastics that will have one-use properties? And then ideally to go even further and to say, well, let's reduce the plastics. And so in tandem with thinking about just eliminating the plastic, we also need to be thinking about, well, why is it we have those plastics in the first place? How did we move to that point of convenience, knowing that the waste and the pollution is not good for our environment, but get there anyway? Uh, think that this was the most rational outcome to, to achieve. Uh, and this is ultimately, again, because of the things we consume and recognizing that the plastics are just a vessel for transportation. Yeah, it does take everyone to come together collectively yes. to really address this issue. I know 
There are a lot of pioneers, reusable straws, containers where we can put our food, and also with mugs. I mean, I'm, I'm a couple of this. I go to the coffee shop, plastic. I go to supermarket, plastic. But now I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring a mug. I'm going to bring containers, reusable straws. But we all need to do more. So how can we, you know, really fit this in the bigger picture and really help address this issue? Well, well certainly at an individual level, we can, we can begin by just being prepared. We know that we use bags frequently, and, and it's quite easy nowadays to find convenient reusable bags that can be folded up and kept in your pocket. That would not be a bad thing for people to do. Um, at least then you reduce the instances of those times where you conveniently pop into a shop and grab something, say, on the way home from work, want to have the convenience of carrying in a bag rather than, than in your hands. And, and similarly with the coffees, you know, the many people nowadays take their own mugs to coffee shops. And I think we, we can all do a bit more of that. Thank you very much, David. We've been speaking to Dr. David Brodstock, Senior Research Fellow at NUS. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.